0: eyes peeled everyone it's time for the full 10 yards college football podcast
1: hello and welcome to the full 10 yards college football podcast um back after another week Um, first of two podcasts this week as we get our new venture started tomorrow um but just joined by three of our contenders this week so we've got Andy, uh, Liam and Rob, um, Kieran's a bit MIA really so we'll see if he joins in uh, before, before the end but we'll see. Um, so yeah we're going to talk about some games, got some few talking points, a few championship games clinched as well across the college football landscape but yeah um, another busy weekend boys, not a lot of cancellations or not as many cancellations this week so it's um, it was a bit of a positive on that score but you know lots to talk about and uh, the drama really ramping up as it's got to December football now.
0: That's it. All the bowl games being, uh, I saw a few a few bowl games being like you know trailed and stuff earlier. I think uh, hmm. the top one I've got up is the uh, stupidest name going I've seen so far is the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. There you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you must have made that up. <laughs> that <can't
0: laughs> I mean, they <laughs> are
1: like that, aren't they? So <laughs> it's bizarre. <laughs> when when is that being played? Is that one that must be one of the earlier ones.
0: That is on. Um, December the 19th in Frisco, Texas. Uh, we'll
1: all tune in on ESPN, so we might get it. To be fair,
0: there won't be much else on. So. We
2: tend to get every bowl game. but yeah. some, wherever it, Whenever it's on, we tend to get everyone.
1: Hmm. Yeah, so I'm sure, yeah, like I say, it's not going to be a great deal outs on. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll all be tuning right in. So we've got, um, yeah, got a lot to get through, actually. i uh, got a few games to get through, then also talk about some championship games as well that's been clinched, as we mentioned. Um Let's start off with the best team in college football at the moment. So, Rob, talk to us about Notre Dame and Syracuse.
3: Oh, thanks for that, Lee. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's, uh, it's very, about
0: very higher, positive about right?
1: yeah, Syracuse.
3: Very, very positive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually me and you don't really agree, but yeah, we, we agree on this one. No, um, yeah, no I watched um, Notre Dame fighting Irish uh, in the car on the way home from the in laws. Um, and it, I must admit, uh, after the first quarter, um, my nails were being bitten. Uh, it was uh, I I'd even put on the group, I think, didn't I? That you know, ND need to um, need to pull the fingers out in the first quarter because it was just lackluster. Um, it was we we struggled in going offense defensively. We we you know, we let Syracuse sort of not, they didn't score any points, but they were sort of we weren't getting anywhere, they were. It, it, I don't know, it was a frustrating first quarter. Um, end of the first quarter, 3-0 up. Um, and yeah, just at times it was just in that first half, I I just thought, oh, have we sort of burnt ourselves out this season? Um, obviously, we had, it, had 10 games um, with a tough couple of games, particularly at Clemson. And I, I just started to think this shouldn't this should be easier than this. It's Syracuse. Syracuse are not a good team. They're sitting there one and nine. We should be absolutely battering them. Um, but in their defence, literally, it, it, they're not a bad defence. And I think I think their one and nine is a bit unfair on them. I think they're a bit better than that, to be quite honest, this year. Um, but then having said all that, after sort of the first, after the first half of the second quarter, we just let rip um, and ended up winning the game 45, 21. So for, for sort of two and a half quarters, we were back to being the usual suspects dominating the game. Curran uh, Williams had another 110 yards rushing, no rushing touchdowns um today. Uh, Ian Book had two rushing touchdowns with 53 yards on the ground. And he, he's, I say it every week, how much he's impressing me. And again, you know, he's a true scrambling quarterback who I think has got the credentials to be an NFL quarterback now. I really do because the NFL loves that sort of scrambling type of, of player. Um, he's good with his arms, good with his legs. So yeah, another two touchdowns for, for Ian Book. Um, and the, the freshman, Chris Tyree, it was good to see him, uh, particularly towards the end of the game. He broke off a, a, a long 94-yard uh, touchdown, which was good to see um, for him. And, and yeah, receiving-wise, McKinley had another good game. Uh, nine targets, seven receptions, 130, 111 yards with three touchdowns. He was the main beneficiary of Ian Book's arm uh, in, in that second half there. And Ben Skoronek, again, 71 yards. I mean, considering we've gone into the season with sort of McKinley being the wide receiver one, but if he, if he played at the beginning of the season and then no other option after that, I think we've done pretty well to be honest. And then we've got, um, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but we've got one of the top five star wide receiver recruits committed to come next year. And, I'm looking forward to that. It'd be good to have a wide receiver there like we have in the past um, at at Notre Dame. We've always had some good receivers. It's the first year that we haven't had sort of the showcase wide receiver. And ironically, we've had the best year probably we've had for 10 years. Uh, It's just how it goes. Um, But yeah, Syracuse rushing the ball. They did a pretty nice job. They rushed um, had a couple of rushes over hundred yards as well um, with a couple of touchdowns. Cole Pepper didn't look great under center again for the first quarter. He looked all right, but then struggled the rest of the game. Um, and I think it was, they kept us tight for the first quarter. Like I said, um, and it was a bit nerve, nerve-wracking. But then after that, I think you know, they opened the floodgates and we just absolutely battered them in the end. Um, so it was a kind of game that after the, the final whistle goes, it's kind of you sit back and go, oh, that was easy. Uh, but actually, during the first half uh, for a moment there, it was a bit, oh, this could be a bit of a slippery banana.
1: Yeah, it didn't tell the full story, did it, as the, as the game was going mm-hmm. on, the final score, as you said. Notre Dame seems to be just running over everyone at the minute. Is it just yeah. as simple as that? Just the running game really setting up the passing game and it yeah. just can't be stopped at the moment, as we saw a few weeks ago. Uh, sorry, a yeah. week ago against Carolina, North Carolina, should I say.
3: Yeah, and again, it was a similar kind of story then. It was the first quarter was a bit tight, but then mm. as soon as the... I think the, the, the defence seems to need that first quarter just to settle. The running game needs that first quarter just to get going. And then everything flows through that and then relaxes um the defense has just been incredible absolutely brilliant um I've said it a few times this year like defensively um uh Jeremiah I can't uh, Liam, you're gonna have to help me out yeah it was the, the last name pronunciation it's a double barreled name uh he's just been fantastic to watch it absolutely great um so I've, I really enjoyed watching the defense and you know me I'm not a defensive person at all um so uh it's been it's been great to watch and yeah like I say every week, Kyron Williams is just a fantastic talent and I cannot wait for him to get into the NFL because he is going to be one of the best running backs in college next year. Yeah, one, one to kind of look out for for next year. I know we're obviously yeah. just starting the
1: scouting podcast next, well, tomorrow. Um, but yeah, one for next year for sure. Just on that, I know that, Andy, you've mentioned in the past about this, um, the kind of rushing quarterback and the scrambling quarterback being in vogue. Do you think that really does Ian book a massive favour as Rob kind of said then in terms of his Prospects, or do you think that he's a little bit further off than we're saying here?
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, for me, I don't think he's like you know uh, anywhere near the NFL starter sort of level. Um, I think half the thing that's working against him is he's kind of like poised in the pocket and stuff. He, I, I don't know. Like Robbie might disagree. You've watched a lot more than, than me this year, but I've never really felt like he's that comfortable and, and like uh, in situations where he needs to grab the game by the scruff of the neck. I wouldn't really. Uh, have him down as, uh, you know, one of the top guys in college to do that. But, but that being said, I mean, obviously, quite happily to, uh, quite happy to be proved wrong. And, and I think uh, this playoff run is going to be crucial for him. And it feels like um, difficult to make a decision on a couple of games and stuff like this. But you, you can't argue that the magnitude of the games that, that they've got coming up, um, if they can, you know, if they can win it all, then I, I quite happily change my opinion. I don't think there's a lack of ability there. I just think it's big-time character. Has um, he got the kind of uh, shoulders big enough to, to take an NFL team on them and, and lead them to victory? I, I'm not entirely sure he has.
3: I think that you're not wrong with what you're saying. Um, Ian Book is the kind of quarterback that needs all the time he can get in the pocket. And when you've got an offensive line like Notre Dame have, they give him the time in the pocket. I think that if he... I think he's, he's not NFL ready yet, uh, and obviously he's coming out this year, so he's going to need work. He's going to be one of these guys like um, like Stidham, um, who who needs to sit and watch and learn. And and um, oh, terrible Indianapolis Colts fan I am because I can't even remember the name of our the guy that we drafted this year, Lee. Uh, like- Jacob Eason. Jake Jacob Eason. Is is, is is that kind of mold? He's not ready for NFL yet, but if he goes to a team like Indy, where We've got the O-line that can give him the time he needs. He can be a good quarterback in the league. If he goes to somewhere like Philadelphia, where he's got 1.1 seconds to throw a ball he, he he's gonna die um you know as most quarterbacks would come through college going somewhere like that but that's he he needs time if he has the time and he's able to, to 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 look ahead to find the holes to scramble or to to find that pass he does need that extra time i totally agree and you don't get that in the nfl but it's something that can be nurtured and i think he's got the arm talent and the leg talent to to be nurtured and to step up to the next level in a couple of years' time. I don't think he's going to hit the gate running in the NFL. Definitely not. Um, and like I said, this, at the beginning of the season, I would have said that I, I don't think he's even going to get drafted. I c- certainly think he's proved that he's got a talented arm and he can use his legs very, very effectively. I think that's what NFL scouts are going to be looking for, to be this backup Stidham kind of guy, Eason kind of guy, Jake Fromm kind of guy, who's going to step into an offense and learn and hopefully... When he gets an opportunity, he's he's, he's ready to, to step his game up. Mm, one to watch, for sure. Um, definitely mm. been
1: taking a step or two forward um, over the past season. But you know one, one maybe we'll revisit in our yeah. quarterback it's, episode. It certainly helps when you've got that O-line in front of you. Let's, let's just say that. Mm, yeah, for sure. And I think we'll be revisiting a couple of those guys over the duration of our scouting pods, aren't we? So yeah, one to watch, for sure. Keep your eyes peeled for those. Uh, definitely be talking a lot of Notre Dame guys over the next uh, few weeks and months ahead. Um, let's take a little step outside of the top four for a second. Um, we had a nice game for Texas a to try and put some pressure on um, the top four with a with a pretty tough opponent in Auburn. And uh, Liam, I think you've, you've got this one, haven't you? do
2: indeed. indeed. Um, good SEC matchup, this. Um, good clean back and forth battle. I say clean because there weren't any turnovers in the game. And uh, considering the two quarterbacks of like Kellen Mould and Bo Nix, that was uh, pretty good going, I thought. Auburn looked really good uh, in this game for three quarters um yeah a and m are um kind of just uh like hovering in those uh, playoff positions um Auburn for three quarters yeah they gave him a really good game gave them as good as they got against the aggies um a and m had the halftime lead uh but Auburn had a really good third quarter they had a 2014 lead going into the the final quarter and a and m kind of um they kind of rolled up their sleeves at that point outscored Auburn 17-0 in the fourth and won one out 31-20. Bonix had a good game in this one for Auburn he threw well he ran well there was um, he had a couple of uh, rushing touchdowns the first one was one of those um, I guess you'd describe them as miracle type plays where the pocket collapses he escapes he finds enough space to run into and gets all the way into the end zone. Um, A&M's side of things their o-line was really strong run game looked good um tight end jalen weidemeyer had a really good game a couple of touchdown catches for him um uh both teams ran the ball well um but a and m just uh they just finished better and like i say um blanketed the fourth and uh yeah one out moved to seven and one still number five in the country still well in playoff contention
1: yeah, no, for sure. I'm looking at the the box score on uh, Sunday morning after this game had taken place, and it just jumped out at me as a quintessential Bo Nicks stat line. Just under, just over 50%, no touchdowns through the air, a couple of rushing touchdowns. He's next Tebow, isn't he? But not quite as good and not quite the fanfare.
2: Uh, you could very easily be describing killing Mond there as well, couldn't you? That's the thing about this game and why I, I quipped about the, the no turnovers in the game. And like said, they both ran ran really well. There was obviously a, a game plan that actually went away from Auburn towards the end of uh, playing the game uh, as a run-first offence. I thought they would miss um, Jatavius Whitlow, the running back, who opted out. Um, but their run game, they got... Um, um, I forget their name, the uh, Shivers and Tank Bigsby, that's the guy's name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're two running backs, uh, strong run, strong watchable run game, and um AM had to had to deal with that.
1: Yeah, and just flipping over to the other run game, we've we've spoken a lot about Isaiah Spiller, haven't we, between us over the past well, the season.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, we all like what we see from him. Like I say, the O-line was really good for A&M in this mm-hmm. game. Um they were they were getting on top and they were getting down and field blocking linebackers. They were, yeah, solid, playing really well.
1: Andy, do you want to come in there? Sorry, mate.
0: Yeah, mate, that's uh, no worries at all. I wanted to come in and just uh, get um, Liam's opinion and probably put him on the spot a bit. But what what, what did you think of Zacoby uh, McLean, a linebacker for Auburn? I mean, I, I've just, again, box stats and I've watched him across the season. 17 tackles, uh, a sack and a forced fumble. At uh, the weekend, but like he's got NFL first round next year all over him in my book. I don't know what you thought of that.
2: Yeah, yeah, he stood out. Um, I haven't watched enough Auburn this year, but um, yeah, he had, a, I didn't know that was his stat line, but he certainly noticeably had a, a good game, really good production in the game. Um, Auburn really liked those those kind of edge players either off the D line or off the edge of the linebacker. And he's kind of like the next wave through. You think about the guys that they've had drafted. I think they had at least two or three guys in the first two days, similar type players in the last draft. Um, Yeah. Gus Malzahn likes uh, those kind of, those sort of players that he is. He definitely, I'm not surprised that he's getting hyped up as much as you said, and he definitely stood out in the game.
1: Mm. A&M obviously sitting at number five. It's pretty difficult for them to get in at this point. What do you reckon, Liam?
2: I think all they have to do is keep winning. They're right in it. Um, considering we've got uh, ACC championship game hmm. above them to figure out Ohio State are by no means safe. Um, they've, they're in the box seat to be the team to jump in there. The massive win over Florida and keeping them above Florida. And that's a um, pretty easy tie break in that sense. I think they're... Yeah, as if they take care of their own business, then uh, they're well in with a well in with a shot.
1: One mm, to keep a watch on for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. So we're going to obviously mention a few championship games and whatnot later on, but um, yeah, could be an outside chance for them. Maybe getting the SEC as well. Yeah. Let's um. Before we welcome, Kieran, in fact, no, Let's welcome Kieran in now. Kieran, you're late. Why? What's your excuse? Here's your note? Yeah. Exactly.
4: I I just assumed we started at three and didn't check my phone. So that's on me. Apologies, <laughs> gentlemen.
1: Don't worry about it. Um, before we get the rant and the Fireball Pellini talk, Andy, are you going to talk about uh, a bit of an upset out
0: west? Yes, mate, that's, uh, that's exactly what I'm going to do. i, I almost went USC just because of uh, how well uh, St. Brown played, and but I've already tweeted about that, and, yeah, just a uh, fairly uh, easy game for them in the end. But, uh, yeah, I'll go with oregon uh, Cow, which was um, uh, one that I actually watched in, in full yesterday, and to be honest, I... Probably could have watched uh, one half of it, and it, <laughs> it would have been uh, much easier for me. But yeah, it was um, it was a uh, like back and forward first half, loads of points. Uh, went uh, Oregon uh, went in seventeen fourteen at the break, and then didn't score at all in the in the second quarter and, and lost seventeen twenty one. A decent uh, Cal team, uh, much better than the three and zero record coming into it um, would would let you uh, have. So yeah, there's a lot of dink and dunk for, for, from um, from Cal. I thought they looked. Uh, decent with Garbers under center. Um, fantastic uh, touchdown play to Nico Um Nico Romigio for, for for the game winning play at the end. But um, I just wanted to pick up very briefly on um, Tyler Shucks play at quarterback for Oregon in the first half. He looked really good. Uh, lovely step up into the pocket to hit Johnny Johnson down the down the uh, sideline for a touchdown. Um, but after that. In second half, he, he just couldn't get the ball moving at all, and uh, obviously with, with, with like you know he's, he's got big boots to fill in Herbert, and everyone's kind of seeing just how big those boots are now in the NFL. But yeah, um, I thought I thought first half I was thinking you know I thought this is looking easy for him, he's looking really natural, um, and then it just kind of went to pot when Cal uh, brought a bit more pressure and really put him, uh, you know, like close the edge off so he couldn't escape the pocket and stuff. And it was uh, quite a good transformation by Cal at halftime defensively. And they uh, they got the rewards of a couple of fumbles with, with uh, one in particular with less than a minute left from Johnny Johnson really costing them, uh, costing Oregon the game. So, yeah, n- nice matchup. Um, and I did tip Cal to do quite well before the season started. I don't think that's obviously going to be the case anymore, but um, they kind of showed why I had a bit of faith in them uh, to, for, for the majority of this game. Mm.
1: Yes, is it a case of obviously shocks on the freshman? Do you think it's a case of him just being a freshman, that inconsistency with with what you mentioned there?
0: Yeah, I think it's the kind of you know it's the same at any level. If you if it, the quarterback's got a lot of time in the pocket and he's and he's got the ability, then he'll then he'll pick you apart. But uh, it's all about making the defensive adjustment, isn't it? And, and Cal did that really well. I say they brought a bit more pressure, um, you know, brought the linebackers a, a little bit more onto the line of scrimmage and showed him a couple of zero. Uh, cover zeros and stuff like that, and and you know it, it was fairly straight away. So yeah, I think uh, I think they did well uh, more than him being uh, you know dropping off performance wise. But he, he's obviously got to find a way to to get through that. And now there's a formula to beat him. Mm.
1: Yeah, Coney Deng and Curtis Good uh, taking the fight to that Oregon line, which has been much changed. Obviously, losing quite a lot of starters to the draft last year. Obviously, Penai Sol not not playing this year. And uh, yeah, putting Chuck under under a lot of pressure by looks of things. And uh, yeah, it was it was one of them, wasn't it? It was a nice Pac-12 matchup, Like I say, more more sort of the first half, but c- typical case of a team that we all got all backed amongst us. You know, one of the one of the favourites for that uh, conference, and they have uh, ended up losing a game that they probably shouldn't against uh, probably an inferior team, but like I say, you know, a better team than their record suggests probably. Liam, go. On.
2: Um, while we're on the Pac-12, I wanted to bring in the fact that the Pac-12's um, annual operation. Let's um, make sure no, let's make sure we all lose. Operation. <laughs> let's beat each other. Um, continued as um, Washington went right home to Stanford, and um, were uh, had been given a ranking, but they lost their row. Bit of an upset. Uh, Washington uh, losing at home to uh, Stanford, and mm. uh, USC and Colorado are the only two unbeaten teams remaining in the Pac-12 now.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, Utah didn't get the memo that they couldn't quite lose against Oregon State, although they did the best. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just looking down the other results, UCLA, who I thought would have a goose egg all season, have now won their second game. Yeah, although, that was uh,
2: cruel. I thought that was cruel of you when I read that. that us, <laughs> I think there's another couple of wins in for UCLA in there somewhere. I think They're,
1: <laughs> they're surprising me. I wouldn't give them the first one because I didn't actually predict that they'd uh, win the first one because it was a rearranged game. But yeah, I didn't think they'd uh, they'd beat Arizona State. To be honest with you, I think obviously we had a bit of faith in them them amongst us, and uh, yeah, they have misplaced won, yeah, as they. well. Yeah, very misplaced, which has been a bit of a shame. But yeah, um, obviously very very unpredictable conference at the best times <laughs> mind, in a, a COVID affected season where no one's had any practice time or off season, especially at the Pac-12, where it's been such a short season as well.
2: Yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: Kieran, welcome in. Fire Pelini, right, mate? Fire him to the moon.
4: Before I start talking, I'm gonna let Rob just laugh for just a couple minutes. I just want to let him get it out so he doesn't laugh while I'm talking.
3: The other th- three people in this podcast are gonna laugh, mate. When when you have that letter to read out, so we'll leave it for them. <laughs> <laughs> oh
4: God. Okay, we're go- we're gonna start with positives because that if I don't, sure. This is to- oh, I'm just gonna cry. Otherwise, okay. <laughs> Max Johnson, he looked fantastic when he came on in relief of TJ Finley. Very good left-handed quarterback, makes his reads correctly, makes very good passes, he's got a clean release and he knows what the hell he's doing out there. TJ Finley struggled, clearly, that's why we took him out. Uh, Emery Jr. as well, nearly had 100 yards on the day and a touchdown. He looked fantastic. Uh, Tyrion Davis-Price didn't get as many carries as I thought he would, but once again, we have been struggling with the run game this year. But I do want to give a shout-out to Keishon Boutte, who actually stepped up. Now Terrence Marshall Jr. has uh, opted out and declared for the draft. I think that was absolutely fantastic. But that is the only good points about LSU this week. That is. Does anyone want to say the score so I don't have to say it?
1: Just 55-17. to 17.
4: Yeah, it's tough. Uh, Mac Jones, though, he looked great. I think Mac Jones has really cemented himself as a first-round pick for 385 yards, four touchdowns, made immaculate reads all game, made some real big NFL throws as well, especially, well, you all know the throw I'm talking about, to uh, Devontae Smith in the end zone. 231 yards, three touchdowns. If this guy isn't a first-round uh, wide receiver by now, then everyone should... Take note, and that catch he made in the end zone—you know the one I'm talking about, because I know there were two. Because we
1: posted a picture of it in the group. Yeah, uh, I did. At least. But
4: I all <laughs> know the one we're talking about is one of the best catches I've seen in college football in a long time. That was absolutely fantastic for him, and I'm not going to say, "Oh, that was because Bo Polini's Bell- terrible at scheming up defenses stuff." That was legitimately first-round talent and a great connection we saw from Mac Jones. Uh, and his young receiver, Devonta Smith, there. I'm not going to take anything away from Alabama. They deserve this win. They absolutely destroyed us. They ran the ball down our throat. They then cut our defense in half with passes through the air. There's a schlocking. It looked like Alabama playing a Sunbelt team. It was absolutely crazy. And here's the thing. I got to about the third quarter and I was like, you know what? I'm probably going to turn it off. But I said, you know, I'm to stick to the end of the game. Something might happen, but we didn't score any points in the fourth quarter, so nothing else happened. Alabama scored uh, a field goal, but, you know, too, too little, too late for our defense to start getting stops. It was the worst game of football I've seen LSU play since we played Mississippi State because they're a terrible team and we really <laughs> should have beat them. This is... E- you know, Alabama doing what Alabama doing and LSU you doing LSU. We are one of the best teams in the SEC, no doubt. But every so often we have a terrible – don't do that, Rob. Um, <laughs> every so often we have a ter- terrible, terrible down year in terms of rebuilding because we lose all our staff and we lose all our players. So I think one of those years – and I'm not going to accept any, any – stick off Rob while he's wearing an App State well, jersey
3: because
4: <laughs> the biggest team you guys have beaten in the last 10 years is Michigan so
3: uh, <laughs> Listen, yeah it was terrible the thing is right and this is why we have a laugh with you it's because we all knew that LSU were going to have this type of season but you couldn't see it and the problem is like I'm, I'm not going to laugh at you for losing to Bama because Bama looked incredible and I'm not going to laugh you for having a bad year you've lost all of your stars it was just always going to happen. And, you know, it's it's just one of those things. You bounce back. You are LSU. You are one of the best colleges in football. It will be fine. But we could see this coming and you couldn't. That's the funny bit.
4: <laughs> I think what it is as well is especially with teams I am passionate about, like at LSU or a New England Patriots, sorry, Lee. These teams that I, I love and I invest a lot of time into and I have this connection with is so, you know, if any of you have ever boxed or whatever, you can never visualise yourself losing a fight or you can never visualise yourself losing this a fight. This is a
1: long way of saying love that, is blind, essentially.
4: Yeah. Yeah. L- love is blind. <laughs> I, I, I always think LSU can pull a win out, even at halftime against Alabama, where they had put up 45 points. I was thinking... You know what? We could probably claw this back. That's <laughs> how I am with teams. I was worried in the Patriots game because the Patriots, I love so much. I know we've been terrible this season. I was worried that the Chargers were just going to claw back and beat us. So it goes both ways. But yeah, I love is blind. The Lee's described it the best.
1: <laughs> yeah, there was no chance the Chargers were coming back at any stage in that game. There was no hope. Um but anyway, we'll leave the lads on the NFL podcast to to, uh, to sort of pour over that one. Let me ask you this. Devonta Smith, he's the kryptonite to Stingley, isn't he? What's going on there?
4: You match up the best receiver in college football to the best defensive back in college football, then it's gonna be it's gonna be down to who is the defensive coordinator and who's the defensive coordinator and what they scheme but up to it
1: shouldn't be like straight murder though, should it? It's like two hundred and thirty yards, mate.
4: Jefferson's a rookie and taking out ankles NFL right now. So it, it does have a lot to do with defensive scheming. We saw Devonta Smith. It was a lot of those straight fly routes, uh corner posts and just tricky routes where Stingley was I don't want to say he looked slow, but he kind of looked like he got knocked off balance a lot, uh, compared to what he usually does. But that's I'm not trying to take anything away from Smith. He is I think probably at this point, the best receiver in college football. There's only a couple guys who can really contend with him. And two of those guys have opted out. So it's a non-issue at this point. Like he's just been fantastic. And that's what Alabama does. They always have these, this track team of receivers, which is why I had worries about Tua going to the NFL, which is why I have worries about Mac Jones going to the NFL. Because they are surrounded by the fastest receivers in college football and uh, the best receivers in college football year in and year out, and we can kind of see that compensate the quarterback a little bit. And you know, I like I'm not saying I think Tua and Mac Jones are bad quarterbacks by any stretch of the imagination, but I think they looked a lot better at Bama because of who they had receiving for them, and I think that really makes the difference. We we see it in you know everything they do, like Devontae Smith is. Can you guys think of a better receiver who's actually playing college football right now? I, I, yeah, he's ridiculous. He's strong. He's fast. He can make cuts. He's he's gonna go first round. I think if he doesn't go first round, then I, I
1: he'll absolutely go first round.
4: Because there's only one receiver who's coming off the board before him, and he's not playing this year. So it, it, you know what I mean? It's a it's a non-issue.
0: So. <laughs> I don't think he's I, going to go before him, man. I wouldn't like, even say he's going yeah, to go before him, think Smith's going like top, and then Chase is dropping, man. Trust me, that's what that <laughs> Just,
4: yep. Just need to ask the question, though. Chase was, like, Justin Jefferson was Chase's number two. Do you not think Jefferson doing what he's doing, you know, brings the conversation back to how good Chase was?
0: I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying Chase isn't very good, but I'm saying the fact that he's sat out a year, um, you know, sat on the sidelines, uh, you know, a bit of recency bias. Smith just looks unbeatable. Like, you know, he's putting up a huge, uh, huge season, and like it just makes perfect sense for me that, that he's going to go top ten and Chase is going to go early teens. For that's why, that's why I reckon. Uh, and then, the, the main question is if Smith is slightly better than Chase. How is he going to get drafted above him when Chase is going first overall? <laughs> that's the main <laughs> question.
4: <laughs> yeah, uh, all, all I'm going to say is Nick Bosa sat out a year to, you know, so he didn't get injured and that was when COVID wasn't a thing and he still went, what, second or third? So that that's the only reason I hold out hope for him. But yeah, just all the last thing I want to say on this game... Fire Bo- Greg Williams got fired today. Greg Williams is <laughs> shockingly bad. Greg Williams is one of the worst defensive coordinators in football and he's a terrible person. He asks his players to injure people. Just a grot. So if Bo Pellini, if that little gremlin isn't kicked out of our isn't kicked out of our facilities by let me look at the date. The 12th of December. If Bo Pellini, that little Gremlin is not kicked out of our facilities by the 12th of December. I will root for Florida for the rest of the year.
3: Right. Okay. We got that's to get how that.
4: much I hate Bo Pellini.
3: because that's five days away. That's Saturday, so he's going to be kicked out on game day.
1: Yeah. Ah, so it looks like you've validated. So you make a Thursday statement, this week, then? <laughs> Rob, did you want to? Did you want to say something amongst all this? That we were yeah.
3: Well, I was just going to because we're obviously talking about. Just touched on the fact that, you know, Jamar Chase has been opt out. And I think we, we're we probably going to, talk, well, we are going to, definitely going to be talking about this in, in the next, the, the first scouting show. Because I think, I think it has affected players' stocks, definitely. And I think we're going to see players like Jamar Chase go later than we probably expect. Because the likes of Devonta Smith is recency bias is going to go higher, I think, um, which means a team is going to get a steal with Jamar Chase in the middle in the middle of the first round, absolutely. Um, but I think sitting out this year has definitely is definitely going to affect things when you've got players like Devonta Smith on recency bias.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a topic that will crop up amongst our conversation when when we're going through this and going through the positions. It'll, I don't think it's going to be a blanket thing. I think it'll be, you know, it'll be more prevalent in positions that have had great seasons amongst their top uh, players, you know, such as wide receiver for Devonta Smith. It'll be less impactful, I think, in other positions. But yeah, it'll definitely be worth the conversation um, over the next few weeks and months for sure. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll leave that on for now. I think we're obviously going to talk a lot about Alabama and Alabama players over the next few weeks. So we'll kind of kind of move on. Um, Rob, do you want
3: to quickly talk us through uh, Florida and Tennessee? Yeah, I watched the second half of of the Gators um, and it was sort of Gators as gators are this season. Um, Carl Trask having another absolutely worldy game, 433 yards, four touchdowns, which is I think you probably heard the whispers that his Heisman uh, run has been dented last week when he got pulled, um, for, for winning for winning the game too early. Um, so yeah, he was back on on fine form. Uh obviously we all know who the the main beneficiary was. Um this week, of course, Kyle Pitts, 128 yards, no touchdowns though. So a dry week by all accounts. He obviously had too many the week before when he got three, uh, but yeah, 11 targets, seven receptions, 128 yards for Kyle Pitts. Again, absolutely dominating. Kadarius um, Tony it was nice to see him go over hundred yards. I think he's going to be a bit of a sleeper coming into the the draft process. Yeah. Um, with a touchdown, Copeland with a touchdown, and uh, is it uh, Trayvon Grimes? Is that his first name? Mm-hmm. Um two touchdowns, uh, 55 yards. So yeah, I mean, Kyle Trask was just airing it all over the, the show. Uh, no run game whatsoever. Um, I think there was a grand total of 14 yards, I believe on the day, um, for rushing. So, um, yeah, it was all through the air. Uh, Tennessee had no answer. Uh, the final score was 31, 19, uh, the Vols offered nothing in the passing game. Um, Ty Chandler, was okay on the ground, 49 yards and a touchdown. Um, he split the uh, split the reps uh, with um, Eric Gray. So, yeah, it was business as business as usual for, for the Gators. They march on eight and one. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out with Texas A&M uh, for potentially that last spot uh, with Clemson as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's all to play for, but the Gators are looking strong. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, go on, Groom.
4: Pains me to say it, but they're one of the best teams in the SEC this year. I think, like I said earlier this season, that they, they could really give Alabama a run for their money if it takes it to the SEC mm-hmm. championship because they've got a lot of pieces. Trask looks absolutely fantastic. Kyle Pitts, no doubt, is a first-round tight end, which you know we haven't seen a tight end this good out of Florida since Aaron Hernandez, and this this kid is absolutely a beast. So it, mm-hmm. it's great to see. We we used to see in these um, tight ends come out of like schools like Iowa and stuff like these dudes do eat yeah. a lot of, cor- of corn and steak for like George Kittle's, year. yeah, lifting weights with logs and pushing <laughs> tractors with their legs, just big dudes from <laughs> the Midwest. It's so it, it's good to see some dudes coming out of Florida and I think any like if if Trask manages, I think he should be a first round pick as a quarterback. I see problems, but I also feel like. His upside is ridiculous. If they can, if a team can pick him up in the second while picking up Pitts in the first, you got in, you got some just instant connection there and some real danger for NFL teams to face because Pitts is that guy who he's built like a tight end. He moves like a wide receiver. He's he's very much mm-hmm. like. Um, not so much Kittle because I think Kittle's like a little bit more powerful and better at blocking, but more like Travis Kelsey and the way he moves. So, I think yeah. any team would be lucky to pick these two up, and they're going to give a lot of lot of defenses headaches if they make it to like the SEC championship and even further.
3: You mm. got to stop here, mate, because I've got to have to rewrite this letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for that one. what's
1: What's the what's the scores that it's got to be? Remind us. What's the records? Just say not scores.
3: Uh, Gators have just got to outscore. I was like, I think, it's, it. I think it's done. It's done. It is oh, yeah. done. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%. I've just got to put pen to paper. That's all. It's all going through my mind. I'm like Eminem. <laughs> I'm writing a rap. It's all slowly building up in my mind, and I'm just gonna smash some lyrics down on the on the on the uh, on the paper for for dust covered cleats to read out. But he's, you know, he's being very complimentary. I think he's doing it on purpose. So he's always said, "Well, I've already said that." You see, I've already said that. That's what he's doing. You see, he's trying to he's trying to soften the blow, but it's gonna come a lot heavier than that buddy so so just to, if he's doing that that's kind of like the end of eight mile then isn't
1: it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if that's what he's doing to you he's got ahead of you already yeah
4: Rob's real name's Terence.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking as uh as we were talking about Florida then obviously talk about Carl Trask just thinking back to our pre-season mock draft Andy you uh pull one out there aren't you with Carl Trask coming coming from the coming from the back of the field
0: Right. If they're tall and they've got a big arm, people <laughs> fall in love with them. That's the uh, that, that's the simple <laughs> formula there. But um, yeah, it was it wasn't as it wasn't as, uh, it wasn't as um, easy as that. But I just thought the fact that I mean to be honest, I hadn't gone to the Bucks and, and specifically the Bucks because I just thought it fits the Arians kind of. Uh, I mean, you could even like maybe comp him with Carson Palmer a little bit if you wanted to uh, go for Hanarian's throwback. But yeah, that just made a bit of sense to me. Um, and also the fact that I don't think he's ready to start in the NFL. Uh, day one next year, and you know mm-hmm. all that kind of factored in Brady with another year that kind of made sense to me. But now I think you could see any any number of teams uh, go after him, and I think I uh, I agree as well that if if he does fall to the start of the second, then somebody's getting a bargain and a and a nice little project too, which could very well turn out to be a, a good long term thing.
1: Mm, yeah, no, definitely another player that, again that we'll cover in our uh, scouting podcast when we get to quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, I like the.
4: And, and Andy is saying like, yeah, project guy, because we're seeing that more and more in the NFL now that guys need to sit a year. And I'm not just saying this because of guys like Patrick Mahomes and, and things like that, but guys can't play the first year. We've seen what happens, especially when quarterbacks who are fantastic, like Joe Burrow are behind a bad O-line. They can get injured. Uh, you know, we've seen it with the Browns in 2016, 2015, 2014, 2000. you can't throw guys to the wolves anymore. It, it makes sense for them to sit behind. Even if the veteran quarterback you've got in is not winning new games and is not necessarily top tier, Um, it, it makes sense to sit these guys a year. Look what... It, it'd be interesting to see how Patrick Mahomes would have developed without that year to sit behind... Um, A very talented veteran like Alex Smith or see maybe if Miami threw Tua into the fire uh, week one and and stuff like that so I I think there's a lot of these guys especially in this draft where the quarterback talent isn't super deep because there's there's just the big ticket guys
1: Mm. yeah no I think you're right I think um, yeah it's difficult isn't it It, it's one of them where it works in some ways it's it doesn't in other situations it's it's Really depends on the situation, the, the landing spot, and that's I think the biggest influence on that sort of thing. But uh, maybe just getting chucked in at the deep end after your uh, starting QB gets stabbed in the lung would be the best way to do it. Just start doing that to everyone. Um, but yeah, maybe I don't. I don't speak from a position of power after this week, to be fair, because he wasn't too great against Bill's defense, was he? Which, uh, like I say, I think we'll let the NFL podcast pour over that one as well. I'm not speak about that anymore on this podcast. Um, just before we move on to the kind of like the game of the week, a couple of like shout-outs. Um, Clemson, Ohio State, big wins for them, maintaining their top four presence. Um, Iowa State, another really nice win. I think we'll come on to them in a little while. Um, but biggest shout-out of the week, got to go to Rice, right? Beating Marshall, 20 to zip. That's a big one. Liam, you were you were taught, alerting us to this as, on Saturday evening as this was going down. Did you see any of this at all, or...?
2: I only looked up uh, some highlights when I saw what had happened to poor old Marshall. They're they're they're, uh, probably the team that have gone unbeaten the longest that we've spoken about the least. We've spoken a lot about uh, Liberty. We've spoken about Coastal. We've spoken about these teams that are having great seasons and Marshall were rolling along nicely. Um, Obviously big home favourites against Rice who um, haven't even got a plus 500 record this season, but Rice went there and, yeah put a 20 nothing win on them um kind of shuts down Marshall's season pretty abruptly because it's the sort of loss that will put them out of the contention of playing in any good bowl game and uh yeah disappointing one for them
1: mm. yeah no for sure and it was a shock wasn't it to come because uh, like you say they've been ticking along really nicely kind of under the radar and probably we've been uh, epitomizing that really with our lack of coverage that we've been giving them.
2: Yeah, we don't get the chance to, to watch them enough as, as much as some of the others. So uh, yeah, they've gone a bit under the radar from our point of view, but obviously mm. good season shut down pretty quick after that.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, maybe next year. <laughs> I also want to finish off our review of this week's action with the game of the week, really. Obviously, it was highly anticipated after a quick uh, rearrangement. Obviously, BYU and Coastal Carolina getting together and it was uh, it was no shortage of drama in this one really was there. We had uh, a bit of kick off. We had benches clearing. We had you know good performance from both teams really. You know matching up quite nicely against each other. And obviously it got a shout out Mullets versus Mormons. That should forever be uh, just etched into college football folklore really, shouldn't it? It was absolutely fantastic. A lot of T-shirts knocked around with that. Uh, wouldn't mind getting my hands on one to be honest. With you. it was really good, um, but yeah, like I say, lots of good performances on on each side. Really, Zach Wilson played really well, obviously on the losing side as Coastal Carolina ran out twenty two to seventeen winners, and um, obviously Coastal playing their part, obviously with the win, and obviously CJ uh, Maribel, uh putting up all sorts of numbers again. You know, he's a he's a real sleeper. Obviously, we're going to talk, come on to uh, running backs tomorrow. But obviously a massive sleeper in this regard, and um, like I say, putting up loads of numbers and, and Coastal obviously powering on now, still unbeaten, and you know who's there to stop them? Because they obviously don't have that game against Liberty anymore. But this was an even bigger feather in the cap, really. I would say.
2: Yeah, ten and zero is uh, is awesome for them. I I've, I've I'd like to keep an eye on them because I know that they're the newest. I've said this, before, they're the newest addition to the FBS. In that case, you could say they're the, the smallest school at that level and to have the sort of season that they're having. Mm. And obviously beating a team like BYU is massive. It's going through the, the Sunbelt is one thing. Mm. But um, yeah, this was huge.
1: Especially given the the season that BYU are obviously having as well. And
2: Coastal
4: uh, sort of reminded me of USF in the way that they've stepped up to like Division One football and then just immediately out the gates have are really given it a good go and... They're playing out of their damn mind. Now, I know Grayson called through for less than 100 yards, but he made some great completions. He was, what, 75% completion percentage on the day. And Torrance Marrable just went absolutely off on the ground. And as well say, that teal field is something else. (laughs) Uh, I mean, the refs should have picked up on Zach Wilson getting bullied. That was uh, unfortunate and I think put a bit of a mark on the game. But we now know Mullets beat Mormons every time. (laughs)
1: Look, I wanted to come on to the Zach Wilson thing. Obviously, it caused a bit of a split on on, on social media, and I think a few people kind of saying it's fair game. But to me, when they kind of pancake him to the ground, then they go at him again. And it's two on one. It's kind of a bit unnecessary. I feel. I think it wasn't. You know, it's not targeting as such because obviously they're not going after him. You know, to try and hurt him. I guess. But I think they wanted to kind of notch on the notch on the belt kind of thing, and kind of going after one of the biggest names in college football this year. What, what does everyone else reckon, Liam? I'll, I'll bring you in on this because you have kind of uh, we wanted to talk about Coastal quite a lot. What did you feel about this uh, incident that we had with Zach Wilson? Yeah,
2: I, I don't think it was too bad. I think you're right. They knew they're going after Zach Wilson. They, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna try and double team him. Again, mm-hmm. it, I, I, it was bo- it was borderline. I don't think it was too bad, honestly. I don't think it kind of warranted much more than penalty flag.
1: Do you think it deserved the benches to be cleared as it was?
2: Oh, that was good. I like that passion. <laughs> but there was another. was uh, something else as well that cleared the benches as well right on half time, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, there was a bit of there was from fire to the game. But then, it, mm. uh, yeah, it's I, I guess from coastal's. Po- I'm looking at it from coastal's point of view. If I was on the other side, if that was my quarterback, I'd be unhappy. So, mm. but uh, yeah, I don't think it was too bad.
0: Andy, you you saw this. What do you reckon? Yeah, I thought it was uh, like completely unnecessary, weren't it? I mean, the first block was fine. And then when he piled it over the top and basically like, let's uh, completely talk about it. I mean, he's probably going to put that in a poster on his wall for uh, <laughs> for several years. But at the end of the day, Zach Wilson's going to be a first-round pick and that guy's going to end up a bum. So. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> The way I feel about Mike Thomas for the Bengals yesterday as well. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to get your opinion on it
1: because you were a bit riled up about that last night, were not you?
0: Yeah, exactly. Just like what what a trash organization the Bengals were. Uh, just absolutely naff. But uh, yeah, thank God the Dolphins saw that out easily. But uh, yes, yeah, same uh, same vibes for, uh, for for that guy taking out Zach Wilson there as well. Mm.
4: Just reminding Andy that. Uh, Dolphin. When you watch the replay, Dolphins players through punches first. So just just in case he's still upset at the Bengals.
0: No, no, it's fine. You can throw punches in defence of your teammate for a cheap shot. No problem at all, mate. It's like, uh, <laughs> absolutely perfect. Yeah, mate, <laughs> that's fine, mate. He's broken. He's done. on, <laughs> him.
2: To um, bring it back to Zach Wilson, this is an interesting uh, game to see uh, in terms of uh, thoughts on his, his draft value hmm. because. Um, you know, to go and lose a game like that—that that they were favourites to win—it's good as coastal have been this season. It's not a good look, but he did actually he did actually play well. Mm. And uh, the um, the final drive made the the, fin- the end much more dramatic. To start inside your own five and to drive all the way down the field and then to throw a pass that was literally tackled at the one yard line—that's uh, how close the the ending of the game was. Um, yeah, he he played well. He th- he kept them in it and literally got them one yard away from victory.
1: Yeah, and the, the, to be fair, I know we've just kind of talked about coastal and the the sort of incident with Wilson, but the, the way they defended that with the final play—I mean, as soon as he caught the ball, he was absolutely swarmed, wasn't he? So it was it was great defense actually to hold him up right at the last second, obviously to win the game as well. So you know, I think you've got to give it to them for that, haven't you? You know, getting that tight win against a probably a superior opponent as well, although they were at home.
2: Yeah, and they they had to. You know, they gave up some big plays, Coastal did, uh, first half. And then, yeah, second half, they uh, the defence was much better. And, uh, you know, we know the sort of offence BYU have had this year. That's a, that's a real solid win from their point of view.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, obviously, pretty much wrecks BYU's chances of making it to the top four if they did have any. You know, It was kind of talking up as like an outside shout um, over the past few weeks, month or so. Um, but, yeah, obviously, Coastal carrying on. Going to be playing in the Sunbelt conference game against um, Louisiana lafayette raging cajuns so yeah it'd be another kind of big game for them obviously go to a bowl game at, at 10 and zero, especially with that notch in the belt as we said so yeah couldn't be seen a bit more of coastal carolina this season and uh, you essentially uh, if they're you know if they're building on their their program then maybe for a few years to come as well
2: Ranked number 11 now mm-hmm. above georgia which uh <laughs> says something that that's uh one to frame <laughs>
1: yeah yeah if we're talking about souvenirs that coastal might make take from this season um but yeah no one to watch for sure as we move forward into the final throws of the season um thing, just to finish off this week we just want to talk about some clinched championship games that we've got um Rob's going to have Notre Dame versus Clemson Two. how yes. do you feel about that
3: uh confident uh confident confident I think um since that Clemson game we've we've picked up so much momentum and like I said once we get once we get the first quarter out of the way we we, we're sort of bowling teams over um I I think it's going to be another tight game um but I'll I'll reiterate what I said before the last Clemson game if we get into a shootout we lose the game Mm. we have to keep it tight we have to keep it one score either way, so that, that's what we exactly what we did in the in in part one. We need to do the same in part two. Um, but as I think we've done enough to to get to the college playoffs, I I think we've done enough, even if we lose. So um, I think. I don't know, if someone can guarantee me that we're going to sit in this top four, even if we lose against Clemson, then I'm, I'm, I'd be happy with, with, with just a good game, to be honest.
2: Mm. Unfortunately, I don't think anyone can guarantee you that at the mm. moment. I know, <laughs> I know. With, not with two SEC teams floating around behind you.
3: That is that is the problem. Um, but yeah, I mean, Florida, that means Florida got to beat Alabama, right? Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I, th- I think... One loss Notre Dame team against Clemson might be enough now, Um, but we'll see. Um, But I'm confident. I'm knocking myself here uh, (laughs) because I I, I am confident. I think think we can beat them as long as we keep it tight. Mm. Go on, Karen.
4: You know, I like Notre Dame in this game. They've got the momentum. They haven't taken a loss yet on the season. I I think they have everything, they have the right stuff to beat Clemson, basically, again.
1: Just going back to, you know, Notre Dame potentially being in. Uh, Florida maybe being in, Texas A&M maybe being in. Obviously, we've got Texas A M who uh fifth, but won't be in the SEC Championship game unless a few funky things happen. Does that hurt them in terms of their quest to be in the top five? And does that strengthen, by virtue of that, does that strengthen Notre Dame's grip on their playoff spot, given that they can probably afford to lose to Clemson?
2: I think A&M's the, the danger. I think a one-loss and Matched up against a one-loss Clemson, or especially a two-loss Clemson, they mm. probably will. They're going to sneak in, aren't they? It's going to be interesting to see how they, um, yeah, how the uh, playoff committee stacks them up.
1: Mm, I think so. I, I, I think I'm of the opinion that Notre Dame are more safe than essentially everyone, apart from Rob. I think me and Rob think they're relatively safe, or maybe I'm thinking that the safest of them all. To be honest. Um,
2: Rob's Rob's coming at it from the, the fan passion point of view he's got a right to true. be <laughs> worried and nervous about his team uh, uh, yeah I, I, A&M I think just, you know, they're looking really strong I think they're mm. a really good shout to be a dark horse all the way um, Florida have got a lot to do still with that. I think they literally have to win the SEC which is going to be tough
1: but they are going to be in the championship game most likely aren't they, they are, they've clinched haven't they and they've
2: Sorry. clinched the East yeah they're, clin- they're clinched but A and M won't be very, in the championship game, and like I say, very very likely to be Alabama. Mm. Um, yeah, and this is it. This
1: yeah, is what that's... makes me think they're a bit more safe than we're saying. I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, we'll agreed. See. We'll see,
1: we'll see. Um, but yeah, obviously, we, like we just said, um, SEC championship game is Florida versus probably Alabama at this point, unless they lose at some point, and then A and M steal in uh, to take that championship game spot, and also in the Big Twelve, we've got Iowa State. Um, playing against Oklahoma as well, Iowa State obviously top, which is not what anyone would have bet uh, towards the start of the season, to say the least. But, you know, we've got Matt Campbell having a great season there. Uh, We've got Brees Hall obviously playing really well as well and driving them on and, yeah, looking really strong. And, yeah, that should be a really good game, actually. We haven't spoke a lot on the podcast about the Big 12 this season because it's been not the usual Big 12 in some ways and kind of been eating each other quite a lot more than usual. But, yeah, Iowa State well worthy of it, I think, um, this season.
2: Yeah, Brock Purdy at quarterbacks, a good watch as well. And mm. uh, start of the season would have been um, on a lot of uh, like draft scouts watch lists. And yeah, yeah he's getting it done. He started mm. slowly. He had a really couple of really strange games of turnovers and that where maybe he was feeling the, the, the pressure a little bit of, of his draft value. But um, yeah, really got into his stride now. And they're, they are the best team in the Big 12 at the moment.
1: Mm. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, maybe not saying as much as, as usual years, but still, nonetheless, don't want to take away too much from Iowa State. Yes. So, uh, yeah, obviously, lots to talk about. And like I said, again, keep repeating myself, but one to watch uh, in the Big 12 as we kind of move towards championship season, bowl season and kind of wrapping up the college football season, really. Um, so that's everything for this week. Uh, pretty short podcast. Obviously, we've got a double header and that's what it'd be like for the time being. Uh, right the way through till spring actually not the time being um, as we start up our scouting podcast that hope you'll be able to join us for um, we're doing running backs this week so that'll be tomorrow as you listen to this and um, yeah we're working our way through the positions giving you our top fives giving you a few sleepers and really just earmarking uh, some players for your team to draft hopefully and make your team better and certainly hoping for that for for my team over the next few months um, but yeah anyway Kieran's, um not here again we've had a bit of internet problems you might have uh, heard throughout the podcast but Let's just go through handles. Let's just uh, get out of here. Um, Andy, you start us off. Where can we find you?
0: Uh, at AJMort21 or at Dolphin underscore UK pod, uh, where there's a lot of positivity there at the moment. And uh, my feed is about to descend into anti-Bermium seat rubbish again, as we've just uh, been our academy. So jo- join us for that if you, uh, if you want some fun there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we've not had any kind of anti-blue stuff for quite a while have we
0: no we've uh, well we seem to have been pretty well run lately but uh, there's always a decision around the corner from our fabulous (laughs) Chinese owners to uh, (laughs) to throw (laughs) us back into League one at some point but yeah there
1: you go uh, Liam where can we find you mate you
2: can find me uh, on Twitter at Liam66NFL Um, loads of NFL, loads of college football, uh, all the full ten yards college football stuff, and all the scouting stuff. That's the one. That's the way to follow.
3: And, and for yourself, Rob, where can we find you? Uh, at FF Brit Baller on the Twitter. Um, bit quiet at the moment. It's a bit busy behind the scenes here at F10Y, but uh, yeah, um, we'll get it cranking soon. So, so keep your eyes peeled for some exciting stuff.
1: Mm. Yeah, we we've got a little bit. Well, we've got quite a large project on, haven't we? But we'll we'll keep that under our hats uh, for the time <laughs> being. I think um, we'll kind of spring that like a surprise in the in the next few weeks and months. But um, yeah, for myself, obviously Lee Wakefield at Wakefield ninety on Twitter. Um, well, probably not going to be talking charges too much over the next few weeks. To be honest, with you, probably not worth it. Um. It was a bit of a shambles, wasn't it? I'm glad, glad that Kieran's not here now to, to rub that in
3: again. Um, just, but, just think though, Lee, you'll be super, super excited when draft rolls around again.
1: Certainly. Yeah, definitely. Going to see who's going to save us uh, this time. But um, yeah, obviously some uh, charger stuff on there, some uh, college football stuff on there as well. And uh, yeah, some pretty happy League United stuff on there at the minute as well. Doing fairly well in the Premier League. But anyway, we're not here to talk about football, as I'm sure we'll all agree. Although, Rob, you might be quite happy with football at the minute.
3: Uh, yeah, considering that um, we've got six under-17s on our bench every week at the moment because we've got 12 first-team injuries. I think we're doing pretty well to be top of the league still, but mm. we are we are clawing on. We are hanging on by a thread. <laughs> uh, two late goals against Chef Wednesday this weekend, a loss against Luton, draw against Coventry. It's not looking pretty, but somehow we're still top.
1: The championship for you, isn't it? Anyway, you, exactly, didn't, hear, you yeah. didn't come here for our football chat. Uh, not that kind of football, anyway. But we'll see you tomorrow for our scouting podcast. So thanks for listening, and we'll, we'll see you tomorrow.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.